She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. In search of... The Easter Island Massacre. This episode was written and produced by Deborah Bloom. It was directed by H.G. Stark. And it was edited by Fabian Torgman, with assistance by Jack Dunsmore and John Schwartz. The series is hosted and narrated by Leonard Nimoy. And this episode originally aired on Wednesday, June 15th, 1977. Ooh. Almost my seventh birthday. Oh, wow. Well, like less than a month. Yeah, a little less than a month. On a remote island in the Pacific Ocean, a frightening and mysterious massacre took place. A race of stone giants carved a thousand years ago guard the shore in silence, as if unable to endure what they have witnessed. The clues to the mystery remain locked behind mute lips. There is no voice to tell us who carved the giants and why hundreds of them were destroyed in the Easter Island Massacre. We got to get some dramatic drums at the end. Yeah. And then we go to the theme song. So, yeah. 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 And then, of course, we come in the middle of the opening credits. The shattered remains of the Easter Island giants defy mankind to reveal their story. <gasps> Search of the Easter Island Massacre. <gasps> and then the credits continue and we get our yeah. theory and conjecture caveat, which I feel it's a good time to revisit this in whole. So, okay. This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanations, but not necessarily the only ones, to the mysteries we will examine. This voice is possibly Robert L. Long, the series producer from 1977 to 1978. He does have narration credit on IMDb in addition to narration writing credit. And so it's probably him. There's also a second voice, I think, who's read it this season so far. So I'm not sure which one is him or if either of them are him. Neither voice is Leonard Nimoy, though. No. Yeah. Also of note, Tori has always said his name is Robert R. Long <laughs> rather than Robert L. Long. Neither of, of us have ever caught this when it happened. And I didn't notice it until our learning ESP episode, because while editing it, I was like, oh, she said Robert R. Long. I got to fix that. So I went through all the episodes where his name comes up, <laughs> and she said Robert R. Long in every single one, even though all the scripts say Robert L. Long. So, so I, couldn't get a, I couldn't get a clip to fix it. So it stayed that way. So, huh? yeah, I'm the I, only one I, who said Robert L. Long way back in her first episode when I basically did this entire spiel the first time. About the it's so after. funny. I think it's one of those things where, like, you just for some reason see a word, or in this case, that initial in your head differently, and it just never. Well, it is. I don't know Robert why. L. Long, and so like his middle initial is his last name, and so you yeah, middle initial his first name. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> I mean, and in fairness, I once said care day instead of daycare, and let's not forget Underman Aqua Pants. So it happens. <laughs> it right? does. It happens. I mean, I can read, and I. <laughs> 
I know I know I can read, but sometimes I seriously wonder how well because I don't know. Uh, anyway, like said, it happens. None of us caught it whenever it happened, like when we were actually recording, and then I didn't catch it until editing, like several episodes later. It was like, so yeah, I went back and listened to all of them. It was like, oh crap, she said it wrong there too, and she said it wrong here. What was I doing? <laughs> I never. Yeah, I don't know why I suddenly realized it was wrong, but uh, so anyway. Speaking of writing and narration, this episode of script is written by someone who likes to write a lot. There is a lot of flowery language, so there will be more quoting than usual in our episode breakdown to kind of give you that feel. Uh-huh. And then also more than once, I'm not sure if Massacre is referring to the people of Easter Island or to the Stone Giants. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be the Stone Giants, the gods. Uh-huh. But it does get kind of loosey-goosey, and they haven't used God yet, but they will. So trust me, they will. Yeah, I when I, I really didn't want to watch this episode because it had the word massacre, and I'm like, that's going to be a bummer. And it is kind of a bummer, but then like pretty quickly, it seems like they're just talking about the stones getting ruined, and you're like, oh, okay, that's not as big of a deal. Yeah. But then later it comes back to like, where did all the inhabitants of the island go? Were they massacred? And you're like, oh, okay. So yeah. it's both probably. Yeah. And they do a lot of language where like the making of these stone giants is very, very like, well, we'll get to it. You'll see. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's the same as they always are. They're the, like, <laughs> it's very on brand for insert job. Yeah. So the episode opens with a geology lesson that could have been written by someone trying to impersonate Lord Byron. And it's all about how islands are created. And then we're told that this particular island, now called Easter Island, was forged in agony and cursed with a destiny that hangs over it to this day. Ooh, right. Yeah. It's dramatic. It's a jagged speck of land halfway between the coast of South America and Tahiti, and perhaps, quote, the loneliest inhabited place on Earth. Yeah, they're really writing like superb travel brochure. Mm-hmm. Here. Yeah, really setting the, setting the tone for the episode. So in case that doesn't really give you a frame of reference, like halfway between the coast of South America and Tahiti, because for me, I Tahiti's like in the Pacific somewhere. Marlon Brando went there a lot. I really don't know what any of that means. So it is about 2,300 miles from either Lima, Peru or Santiago, Chile, and about 1,200 miles from the closest inhabited island, which is Pitcairn Island. Tahiti is about another 1,400 miles or 2,600 miles from Easter Island. Auckland, New Zealand is about 4,400 miles to the east of Easter Island. And then for some more frame of reference, Hawaii is approximately 2,500 miles from Los Angeles and about 4,000 miles from Japan. Pacific Ocean is ginormous. Uh huh. San Francisco is about 5,100 miles from Japan. And then on the southern hemisphere, it's even greater. Santiago, Chile is about 7,300 miles from Brisbane, Australia which is roughly Australia's easternmost city. The Gold Coast is about 20 miles closer, but Brisbane's a little bit bigger, so I chose Brisbane. And then they're all roughly on the same latitude as Easter Island. Brisbane is at 27.47 south. Easter Island is like 27.11 south. And then Santiago is 33.45 south, so it's a little lower. 
but they're all kind of roughly in that same line. So the ocean is huge. Yeah, it really is. It's also really pretty. I haven't been to the Pacific Ocean in a long time. I need to make a drive down there at some point. It's been a while. Yeah, I ain't going on the Pacific Ocean. Fuck the water. I ain't going on that. <laughs> I just like to look at the ocean. Maybe I'll look my at it. In. I'll look at it. But man, I I don't know. I don't know if you've seen. Have you seen that? Like, if you're ever going through like Facebook or or Instagram, there's like a promo for like some pre Lord of the Rings thing. I think where like some ship is being like attacked by a kraken and there's this woman and then they do that thing where they pan from her and then go under the water and she's got like a knife like she's gonna go kill the kraken with a knife i guess or something like that okay but like that thing i think i mentioned this when we were talking about our atlantis episode that thing where they're like above water and then the camera goes below water oh that trailer scares the shit out of me just because of that like i don't care oh, about wow. the kraken but just that that transition from above water to below water, it makes me feel like I'm going underwater and it just freaks me out. It I can't do it. So Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, fuck the water. I ain't going underwater. <laughs> nope. I like the ocean, but I have not spent a lot of time swimming in the ocean. I've spent a lot of, I mean, as you all know, I grew up in Lake Tahoe and I've spent a lot of time in Lake Tahoe. But that's about like the biggest body of water that I've I mean, I've swum in the Pacific Ocean, just not a whole lot. Just it's so big and there's so many things in there and I just I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I respect the hell out of it, but yeah, maybe if I was a Pacific Islander, I never, wouldn't have had the experiences that led to me being terrified of the water. But yeah, otherwise, I think I would be like like the only Pacific Islander who liked is like, nope, it's gonna stay here <laughs> in my house. Nope, fine. I'm sure. I'm sure there <laughs> are. I'm sure there are plenty of people who even in those cultures have like a fear of being in the water and that's totally fine. There are plenty of valid reasons to be afraid of the water. Yeah. It's not like a very irrational fear. Nick, Nick we've got to go. We've exhausted all the resources here and the volcano's going to explode. Be like, okay, well, I guess I'm fucked. See you, guy. Bye. <laughs> I'm staying here. I'm not going down in that water. So, yeah. Anyway. It's a good thing you weren't born on an island. <laughs> it was. So then we learned that Easter Island's existence was unknown until it was discovered by a Dutch explorer in 1722 on Easter Sunday. Which seems super odd since we're told immediately that the explorer is welcomed by natives who we would assume knew of the island that they lived on. So I don't know that it was unknown. I think what you mean it was unknown yeah. by white colonizers, but... I yeah. guess they didn't really use that language in 77, so we'll just move on. Yeah. And we learned that at one point, the population exceeded 10,000. But following that fateful Easter Sunday, due to slave raids, smallpox, and civil war, the population was nearly wiped out. Today, which is 1976 when this was recorded, the population is roughly 1,000. They have no knowledge of their ancestors. The mix of European, Polynesian, and South American blood has blurred the lines of, quote, ethnic purity. Yeah, there's some, just, there's some mm, prime language mm, in this episode, man. Yeah, I hope you can just hear in my voice how much I do not support any of those thoughts. Like, hmm. Yeah, also, like, they have no knowledge of their ancestors. Yeah, and, yeah I mean, obviously they do. What are you talking about? Have you talked to any of these people? 
or are you just buying food from the street vendors and walking uh, away and making this stuff up in your head? I don't know. Anyway, yeah. it's fine. However, on that island, mankind had one of its most curious ideas. They did not build pyramids or tombs. Instead, they undertook one of the most amazing engineering projects of ancient times by carving colossal stone idols. Each idol is made of 30 to 80 tons of volcanic rock. A small one stands as tall as a two-story house. And they're all individual, and their expressions range from brooding to almost comical. But at some point, a massacre occurred, and the stone gods they built, possibly for protection, were assassinated. Some destroyed, some decapitated, and some mutilated. No one knows why. Whoa. And when they said this, I was just thinking, it's like... They're near the coast. There have probably been a lot of storms. <laughs> I'm sure if some of them were defaced and stuff, that's probably not the only reason. But, like, if you have some pretty bad weather, like, I don't know. I mean, I realize that they're giant and, you know, whatever. But I don't know. I feel like a hurricane could come in there and do some damage. Yeah. Well, I think some of them do have, like, some, you know, they have, like, we can tell, like, people were, like. Yeah, I think, yeah. Some people did, like, deface them, like, them and, like, yeah. intentionally cut off the head. I know you can tell that for sure. But. Just yeah, I just don't trust anything Sergio tells me. So I'm always like, well, <laughs> maybe, maybe it was just a bad storm. All right, anyway, it probably wasn't just a bad storm. Then we meet Doctor Amundo Edwards. He's a Chilean archaeologist who spent ten years studying the statues on the island, and we see this quarry that sits in a dormant volcano. We're told that 500 years ago it was busy with workers. But then it stopped. And this is a quote. Half-finished forms are embedded in the side of the volcano, ranging from embryos to fully formed young gods. Whoa. The work stopped so quickly that tools still lie in place, undisturbed for centuries. And then we see Edwards. He's like walking. He's like picking up random tools and like (laughs) banging them together. So I'm really hoping like this was just staged like for the, the camera. Because then he's, like, hacking away at, like, some rock, too, with one of them. Uh-huh. And I'm, like, um, I'm hoping, like, if those had been laying there for, like, centuries, he's not just walking around, picking them up and, like, banging them together and whatever. So, guessing it's staged. So, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Once the stone gods were carved, all that was left was to cut the umbilical cord. Again, mm. the, some of this imagery is very <laughs> weird. They're not yeah. giving birth to these. But anyway... We are told an elaborate pulley system would then lower them down the side of the volcano and they could lumber their way to the edge of the sea. Whoa. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Legends say they were endowed with mana, a supernatural power that enabled them to walk up to 20 miles from the quarry to the sea. Mana was said to emanate from their eyes. At one time, open-air temples lined the coast. But then all the idols with open eyes were smashed and desecrated. Restoration has only recently begun. And then we meet Mario Arevalo, who's mapping the island. There are more than 500 toppled idols on the island. So far, only 12 have been restored. 
It looks like they're plastering them together or something from the images. Yeah, it's a little weird. I'd love to see a restored one to see how it looks. And then we learn that it's possible this is the earliest known use of rollers, which would have allowed the statues to be moved. Oh. Yeah. So that takes lots of logs. Yeah, it does take lots of logs. (laughs) That Mm. will probably come up later. Hmm. Local engineer Robert Forster thinks rollers were not enough. He has another idea. A test with a five-ton stone hopes to prove how 50-ton colossuses may have been moved. Ooh. But the test is a fiasco. Oh. Yeah, it doesn't work out. Modern man fails where the ancient succeeded. Mm-mm-mm. One must wonder if people of earlier times had gifts that have been lost to us. And this is where I was like, oh, God, I hope they're not going to ancient aliens, Um, which I don't they don't really do. I think this is just implying maybe, but like they don't actually go that far. So but either way, the secrets lie locked behind stone faces. Yeah, it's pretty good, though, because we spend a pretty good chunk of screen time. Of them doing this test and watching them like stuff slide off the rollers and fall <laughs> over and everything, so it's, it's kind of it's kind of funny, honestly. Yeah. So yeah, like also you didn't need to show us all that unless you really needed to fill some space. Speaking of filler, we then go to Tiwanaku because they also had massive stones, and even though the people probably had no contact with each other, is it possible they did? After all. <laughs> The appearance of the statues look very similar. And then we keep going back and forth between a statue on Tiwanaku and Easter Island idols, and they don't look anything alike, but we keep going back and forth. (laughs) Don't they look alike? No. Don't they look alike? No. Don't they look alike? No. But they look alike, right? Whoa. And then we drop that and go on to something else. So Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. They're just suggesting possible <laughs> answers to the mystery. Oh, but not the only ones. Gotcha. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The good thing we revisited that caveat. <laughs> we would have forgotten that. So I know. Goodness. Maybe one of the seven written tablets found on the island hold the secret. Hmm. They have not been decoded, but anthropologists believe they tell a dark and bloody tale. Whoa! Then we see waves crashing on the island. Why do they think they tell a dark and bloody tale? I don't know. Because there's evidence that the island was torn by civil strife, (gasps) where brother was pitted against brother. Bones of hundreds of islanders have been found in caves that stretch for miles under the lava crust. Edwards believes that this was from overpopulation and starvation, that the strongest killed the weakest and survived by eating human flesh. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. I guess that would be a dark and bloody tale. Yes, it would. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, and then we're told the survivors set up a new god, a bird man. They set up a bird man cult. And basically what they did was they were like, Oh, we don't need these big statues anymore. And so like every year they would the top athletes of the island would jump off a cliff, woo, into the ocean, 
and swim out to this little rocky outcropping that was in the water. It's not really like an island, but, you know, out there. And there are these birds out there. And then they would go up and they would climb up and they would get one of the eggs that was the first eggs that were laid. And then they would carry it back in their mouth. Swim, 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 swim. And apparently, I guess there's sharks all over the place. So someone would get eaten by sharks. And then the first dude back with an egg became the leader for the year. And like his family got all kinds of fancy stuff. So yeah, cool. Birdman cult, and they have all these glyphs on the walls too of the cliff that they found. Yeah, but the story of why still remains undeciphered. Mm-hmm. Found them in 1922. But they don't know. They're not really doing good at deciphering stuff on this island. I think. No, they have a lot of stuff that's been written, and they have not managed to decipher any of it. So yeah. And then this is a quote. Only a tragic face remains as an emblem of past events. Yeah, and we see the face, and it looks kind of like Alice the Goon from Goon Island and Popeye. Or mm. it looks like a cock and balls. So, <laughs> you know, decide on your own. What you bring to it is what you leave with. So there you go. And then, because we're not having any luck deciphering all this writing... We're told that spoken legends may be our best clues. And then we're told of a war between the long years and the short years. Oh. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Like rabbit people? I or... no idea. The tale bears the epic ring of heroic battles and great conquests. It sounds like a tale out of ancient Greece. A great saga in which the short ears rose from enslavement and in a battle that rumbled like the quaking of the earth, slew every man, woman, and child who had long ears. Whoa. That doesn't sound great. No. And then they go a little crazy with the sound design and we do the video clip thing for almost like two minutes. I know. It's really long. And then there's thunder and lightning. Very, very frightening. Oh. And then there's just stone rubble. Oh, no. And then it's narration time. Mythology, with its strange symbols, plays tricks on the imagination. But it springs from real events that once occurred. And there is little doubt that the events on Easter Island have been bloody and tragic. The tragedy was matched by the fate of the islanders and provides a final clue to the Easter Island mystery. History records that thousands of natives died under the guns of their conquerors and from the dread diseases brought with them. So we all thought Jared Diamond was so clever with his little guns, germs, and steel. The dude just watched in search of. And as it turns out, um, I think his mythology was not much more rigorous. Anyway, (laughs) talk maybe a little bit more about that in a minute. We got a narration to keep going. The endless waves, of course, have seen it all. And of course, we see, you know, waves crashing into the shore. Mm-hmm. They saw brave people put their hope and faith in mighty gods carved from stone. And they saw the failure of those gods to protect them. It was that failure that may have led to the massacre of the stone giants. Oh. All right. And you might have thought that was a closing narration, but you're a fool if you did. Because oh, then they no. come back and he <laughs> says... On a remote speck of land on the South Seas, a great civilization flourished and died. The wide-scale destruction of the giants of Easter Island is symbolic of the tragic destiny of a people. It is also testament to the power of faith. 
a faith that motivated thousands of men to toil relentlessly on stone monoliths, and a faith so strong that when it was lost, it may have driven them to turn against their gods with a terrible vengeance. <gasps> and there's crashing waves, and there's more music, and then it gets super quiet. And we see the sun disappearing into the ocean. Actually, they wait a while, and maybe too long, because they just end up fading to black, because the sun doesn't follow like it, you know, it's like, hey, I don't care about your story. I'm going to take them long. <laughs> and so they just kind of like, oh, we got to go. So they just close it out. And then it's closing credits. Dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Much like last episode, I think maybe they should have stuck with like the pre-closing narration narration and then not. Yeah, I just left it there. They or, didn't really or at least just rearrange anything. it. Like rearrange it. Like, you know, it just, yeah. It's like they get a good ending going into commercial and they come back and then they talk some more and you're like, I thought we were done. <laughs> yeah. And as mentioned, Jared Diamond, so he's written a bunch of books. His book Collapse actually discusses Easter Island directly along with some other civilizations, including the Maya and some other ones. And is eh, it's probably about as accurate as this episode. Um, it kind of spreads a lot of the same theories, like, you know, ecological disaster because they chopped down all the trees, maybe for rollers. What's funny is they didn't really go into that in this episode. And then when no, I was reading it, I was like, oh, so people think that these indigenous people cut down all their trees and didn't know better than to cut down all the trees. And then, yeah, anyway, it's just one yeah. of those things. But that yeah. is one of the theories. Yeah. So, and of course, his book brought it to a much wider audience. It was it's kind of the general understanding until kind of recently. Um, it's been a lot of pushback on some of his methodology and stuff. I mean, he's like he's like a professor and he's written a lot of books. I guess it's one of those things where he's one of those dudes that like he wants a story. And so he then finds evidence to tell a story as mm-hmm. opposed to looking for evidence and then trying to put those pieces together. To yeah, see how they actually go. So he comes to it with an idea first, and then just picks the data that matches the story. So I don't know that all his information is. I mean, I th- I'm sure he's probably done some good stuff, but a lot of his he's a popular historian. So I think all the popular stuff is kind of just I'm gonna write a book and get money. So unfortunately, yeah. So I can't totally disparage him because I don't know a lot of you know I don't know, but I know there's been a lot of yeah. pushback in academic circles like the hard academic circles about his work yeah and i didn't read his book i read a couple different articles that were basically like talking about how polynesian settlers may have brought along the polynesian rat which might have helped destroy the trees yeah because the rats eat the seeds and the rats can produce at a very high rate right and so then if they eat all the seeds there aren't seeds to grow new trees so yeah that's I mean, there problem. are rats to eat, which is good, but you yeah. can't just, man cannot live on rat alone. No. So, yeah. No. And uh, one of the articles I read posits that the greatest devastation to their population was just slave raids and slave trades and pulling people off the island and yeah. murdering people who didn't cooperate. So that that seems more likely to me, but I don't know. Yeah. And disease. Yeah. And well, um, and disease from, yeah, from colonizers. So, Yeah. 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 The current theory on how the Moai, which is the name for the colossal gods, 
on Rapa Nui, which is the island's actual name, which is never, neither of those are actually used in the In Search of episode. Mm-hmm. But on Rapa Nui, they believe that Moai, the legends talk about, and they actually mentioned this part in the episode that they walked from where they were made to the sea. Uh-huh. And people usually just they took that as a legend, right? Like, oh, I mean, because they are, I mean, for a long time, people didn't realize they were actually weren't just heads because with erosion and everything, they kind of, a lot of them, besides being toppled, they got buried up to their neck, sort of, because they do have the giant heads, but there's actually bodies underneath. Mm-hmm. They have little bodies. And so the whole like walking thing is kind of like, oh, it's just a legend. But it turns out that they probably didn't use rollers and cut down on their trees to do that. They actually did make them walk by once they got them up through probably some levers and pulleys and that kind of stuff. They then would like, you know, a couple people in the front, a couple people in the back. Well, I say a couple people, probably lots of people, but like a couple of ropes, a couple of ropes. And you would just kind of waddle it down to the sea. Uh-huh. So you kind of have gravity helping you because you're going down. And then you, so you've got probably got more people in the back to make sure that it doesn't keep going. Right. But they've actually done tests with that and they've actually been able to reproduce it several times with very minimal damage to the test ones they've done. So it it may have been that the legends actually were true and that they did walk them down to Mm. the sea. And then most people think they're actually like family cult kind of like family, maybe not like direct relatives, but like that kind of like cult of family kind of thing where like, you know, it represents your ancestors. And so that's why they all kind of are individual because different family groups would make their own. Okay. That makes sense. And then some of them have hats. You may have seen pictures where it looks like they're wearing hats. Mm-hmm. The hats are actually a separate piece. Oh, cool. They come off like little fezzes. Um, oh, my yeah. gosh. That's really cool. I don't know why, but that so, makes me really happy to think about them yeah. putting a little hat on. After yeah. they like walk so, it down to the sea and then they put the hat on. I don't know. Yeah, cool. Well, I think they put the hat on like they like the hat is separate and then put on. It was probably on when they stood it up. I don't know if they could figure out. Cause, I mean, the hats themselves would still weigh like. You know, maybe a oh, that's true. That's so, true. Yeah. So I think the hats got on, and then they, got them <laughs> and then they walked down. down. Still cool, but, but they are like separate pieces. They're not just like carved. Look, they have a hat. The hats are actually separate pieces. So nice. Yeah. Yep. So we'll have lots of links in the show notes if you want to go and do stuff on your own. I don't want to turn this into history class. So you know, we kind of gave you enough, I think, to talk about. So Rapa Nui, Moai. You probably heard those words before. They're kind of more common now than saying Easter Island. Yeah, so, we've kind of gotten over like we don't need to call this what the Dutch colonizers called it. We can call it what it's actually supposed to be called. So yeah. let's what do the that. Called it the people who did live there and who still live there. What they call yes. it? Yeah. So and what they called their ancestors? Moai. So yep. Yay. <laughs> Well, this episode was less depressing than I thought it would be. Yeah, they didn't. I'm not sure. I mean, like, there was a lot of information that I wasn't a fan of. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was problematic. But and also the cannibalism thing. Most of the articles I read says that there really is no evidence that that ever happened. So I don't know where that came from, but it doesn't seem to be true. I mean, Everybody cannibalizes, man. You gotta. I think I don't think there's a culture that has been discussed where they haven't been like, and then something happened and they had to eat people. So yeah, yeah. 
It's one of the things that we like to do. I mean, it probably does happen. I mean, especially if you're, you know, if you're. I mean, yeah, it does. I need a person. Fuck yeah, I need a person. (laughs) That was all I had to do. Like, you know, but. I don't know. It would take me a lot to. Yeah, I'd have to be in a pretty. I mean, I know people who do that generally are in a very desperate situation, but woof. I have days where I have trouble eating chicken, so I don't know that I can do that. But hopefully I'll never be in a situation where I have to find out. I mean, I am really curious what it tastes like. I'm not. I don't. Hear, that's not a curiosity you that it I tastes, have. You hear that. I mean, you've heard like the whole like long pork kind of thing, right? And so yeah. About, you know, humans basically taste kind of like pork. I am really curious, but I'm also not, you know, probably ever going to find out. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to like eat flesh unless I have to. And let's just hope that I never have to, because that means things are not great. Yeah, so, that's not a good situation yeah. to be in. So, yeah. So, just be one of those things I have to wonder about. So. <laughs> they do have those weird clubs you can join where people will let you eat them, but that, that I don't think I want to do that. So, I'm making a face right now that you can't see. <laughs> I'm just very disturbed. Did not know about that. Don't want to know oh, about yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't no, want to know yeah. more. I'm good. Right. I'm just gonna put that out of my head and pretend I did not. There've been hear a couple. There've been a couple of murder cases about that where people were probably tricked into just like meeting a serial killer who was posing as that. But there are some actual groups that'll do that where, um, and usually, again, they're sometimes taking advantage of people who, you know, maybe aren't or or people who, you've heard about the stuff where people who like you know like this arm is not mine, this leg is not mine, kind of thing. And so, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so kill two birds with one stone, right? Because you can get rid of your arm, and then other people can have some arm. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, this went to a darker place than I expected <laughs> it to go. So, anyway, thanks for yeah. listening. Yeah, I was ready to wrap it up, but then you brought up the whole like, I don't think the cannibalism happened, and then we just went there. <laughs> I just so. said the articles I read all said that there's no <laughs> proof. There's no evidence that that was a thing. Yeah, I know. So. But then, you know, we started talking. That's what happens. So. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. We should probably go before something else happens. <gasps> yeah, we probably should. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. Episode production, design, and editing is by Lazy and Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz, and the truth is what we make of it by the agrarians. For now, this feed, our main feed, is where you can find all of our X-Files episodes and most of our X-Files adjacent bonus episodes, which cover television and films that are, you guessed it, X-Files adjacent. If you like them, tell a friend. We'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we go in search of ghosts. Yay, ghosts. Ghosts. (laughs) And together, we'll try to figure out if the the truth truth is is still out there. Expression.
didn't know about the you didn't know about the food clubs. I did not, and I don't. That's, that's extremely disturbing, and I. Geez. I mean, it's it's Eesh. it's it's, I, it's one step beyond the whole like vampire st- stuff, but I mean. You know. Yeah, I guess the blood drinking doesn't freak me out in that way, whereas like taking that further does. I'm just like, no, thanks. That's so good. I guess blood is where I draw the line. We've all got to have our lines in the sand. <laughs> That's mine. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'll remember. Also, that. I'm not going around drinking blood either, just for the <laughs> just for like reference and for the record here. Um, yeah, not happening. But yeah, it doesn't freak me out that much. I don't know. Okay. 